Fantastic. Oh, so good to be here. We are so, so blessed to be here in the city where God is moving, God is doing great things, just to sense His presence here is amazing. And a uh, real privilege to be able to bring the word this morning. We, we thought we were going to be preaching out of a king-sized bed, but uh, they obviously didn't get that memo. No, I'm just teasing. I don't think Amy would let me do that. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it's so lovely to be here. And if um, you're visiting and new to, to Elam, just a really warm welcome um, from us. Uh, as Joy said, we're in the middle of a series called You Ask For It. I think it is one of the most favorite series that we do every year. Um, I know in our campus in Whangarei, people don't miss it. And I love that as a church, we talk about um, the issues um, that really matter. And so this is a chance where you got to ask some questions, and uh, we're going to do our best to answer them. And so we get we had many this year um, on the topic of relationships, and so we're going to tackle that together this morning. Uh, we're going to uh, we, we really want to hear what God wants to say. You know, this is not our opinion. We want to hear God's view, and we want to go to the Bible and hear what He has to say. Uh, I think um, in this in this room today, we have maybe you might be single, you might be dating, partners, married, separated, or divorced, and we just really pray that God would speak to you this morning. You know, truth in today's conversation and language seems to be a little bit fluid, depending on uh, what, I, what I think or what you think, that is kind of our level of truth. And uh, we are in danger of swinging away from, from what God says in His Word. We, we go to God for the truth. We go for God for, for the, the foundations, the fabric that would make up our society. And I love the fact that we, we live in a nation that uh, whether or not people want to acknowledge it or not, last night we prophesied over our nation that God will defend our nation. So every time we sing that, every time we see that uh, national anthem, let's just declare that prophetically over our nation that God will indeed uh, defend our nation. Uh, there was a young teenager just a few months ago made the comment, said, uh, I think the Bible needs a bit of an upgrade. The Bible doesn't quite fit in with uh, today's society. Come on, how many people realize, think the Bible does not need an upgrade, that the Bible is a foundation in which we build our life on? And so we're here uh, to answer these questions, as Amy said, not with our opinion, but with the Word of God. And uh, so uh, we're going to pray this morning. Let me, oh, I can pray. I'll pray. Father, we thank you that uh, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, when we don't know where to step and we don't know how to step, we can go to your word and you'll show us. Lord, in the holy area of relationships, Lord, we know that there's, there's difficult uh, challenges going on in people's lives. Lord, uh, all of us are going to be facing some kind of a challenge within the, the relationship or the desire to be in a relationship. And God, we come to you and we submit everything, all of our thoughts, all of our ideas, all of our desires. We submit it to your word. Lord, would you light up our path as we take our next step? In Jesus' name, amen. So let's take, tackle a couple of these questions this morning. And we're going to go right into it. Uh, we're just going to leap straight into it this morning. What does the Bible say about sex outside of marriage? This is a question that somebody asked. What does the Bible say about sex outside of marriage? Come on. It's right out there in the media, isn't it? Everybody's talking about it, social and in the movies and the television. Sex is a big topic. So what does the Bible say about it? Well, let me say right from the start, we believe marriage is the safest place to have the greatest sex. Marriage is the safest place to have the greatest sex. In the Bible, the book of Song of Songs, it's a book devoted to the life and love and passion of a young married couple. I mean, these guys are so excited about their relationship, 
And uh, it's, it's just laden with imagery and pictures. In fact, it was so graphic that if you were 12, a, a young Jewish boy and under the age of 12, you weren't even allowed to read the book. Now, some of you are going, where is this book and where can I find it? And you'll find it somewhere in the middle. Go and have a look. It's uh, very, very interesting. But when we give ourselves out of love, love and marriage can be incredibly exciting. It can be passionate. It can be amazing. It doesn't have to be monotonous. If you're living a monotonous life when it comes to sex in your relationship, it doesn't have to be that way. God designed it to be a great thing. Um, Song of Songs 4.16, it says, Awake, north wind, and come, south wind. Blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. She wasn't talking about apples there, just in case you're wondering. And uh, Amy and I, we've been practicing now for 20 years. I remember as a teenager, a couple of my mates said, well, have you slept with Amy yet? We were dating at high school, and, and they said, have you slept with her? How are you going to know whether you're sexually compatible? I said, well, we will just have to take a lifetime to practice. And we've been doing that, and we're, we're, getting, we're getting pretty good at it, so... Right, you want to say something, babe? You know, everyone, yeah. everyone um, at, in, in our Whangarei campus is looking at me going, they're feeling sorry for me. But don't. We, I'm more than happy to be, to be up here. And, you know, um, let me tell you why we believe that married sex is the best sex. And that is because we love and trust the boundaries. You know, God has put a, a boundaries in place. And there's actually incredible freedom in that. And that might sound like a little bit of a contradiction. But... You know, if you look at the will that God created, um, you know, he has put um, boundaries in place for our safety. You know, um, fish can only survive in water. You take them out of water, they're going to die. Um, those of us that have children, you'll know that a child without boundaries will touch um, the hot oven. They will lick the moving blender and they will pat the angry dog uh, if they don't uh, know any better. And boundaries are amazing things. Let me explain. They actually give us an area that we can function in. They're always for our long-term good. Uh, I love that the boundaries God gives us, they're, they're actually for our freedom to legitimately and authoritatively say no. Uh, boundaries are where there is no guilt, shame, fear, or pain. Uh, boundaries actually give us security. God protects the boundaries, and it defines for us what is right and wrong. And you know, God has intentionally set boundaries for us when it comes to our sexual relationship. Um, and our behavior. Um, the boundaries we see are from the beginning of Genesis. He outlaid in Genesis 2, 24, that a, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one. And they, um, and they became one flesh, and Adam and, and his wife Eve were naked, and they felt no shame. You know, the Bible makes it so clear that sex is a beautiful, beautiful gift from God, but it is intended and designed for a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. And like the Ten Commandments, God speaks about sexuality by providing some boundaries or some no-go zones. There are some sexual relationships and practices that God forbids. He says, this is not right, this is not good, and, uh, and we shouldn't go there. Uh, we know society wants to move and change the, the, the guidelines, wants to move the, the pillars of, of our faith and, and what God actually says about that. And uh, the trouble is, if we move and change our beliefs based on our feelings, then our society is all over the place. Come on, if the All Blacks lost last night, some of us wouldn't be feeling so good this morning, right? You know, if we make decisions just based on our feelings, then we're in some serious trouble. So there are some boundaries that God put in place. What does the Bible say about 
the relationships outside of a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. Well, the Bible's very clear. God says no to these areas. Fornication. What is fornication? Fornication is sex outside of marriage. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18. Homosexuality, same-sex marriages, uh, relationships. Leviticus 20 verse 13 talks about this. Adultery, which is sex outside of, of a relationship, out of marriage, sex with another married person. But then Jesus took it another level. He said there's adultery in the heart. When we, when we lust after somebody, that's not our spouse. Jesus said that is wrong also. And also it talks about incest in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 5. So, so these are the areas God says no-go. So what is acceptable then? What is acceptable within a married relationship? Now, we're not going to tell you what's acceptable. But you need to look at the guidelines based on 1 Corinthians 13. You're talking about the love chapter. Maybe you've heard it at weddings before. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep record of wrongs. This is where our focus should be. When you're considering your relationship with each other in a married relationship, if your focus is love, you won't go wrong. Because love gives, lust takes. So if anywhere in our relationship, either of us are feeling uncomfortable, that's not love. So we talk about, and the key is communication. You want great sex? You've got to communicate well. You've got to talk about it. Talk about what you enjoy. Talk about what you don't enjoy. Talk about the things that, that maybe you, you want to try. You know, it's okay to have those conversations within a married relationship. And if there's any sense of un, uh, you know, discomfort or you just don't feel like it, it, it's, it's right, don't, because that's not love. One of the things we've got to realize is that sex is not just a physical thing. I think society wants to tell us that sex is just something we do for fun and, and, and it's great and it's enjoyable and there's nothing more than just a physical relationship. It is not. The Bible says that, that the two became one. There is a tying together of the soul. Sex brings about a tie. There's something emotional, spiritual, physical that takes place in the act of sex. The second question we're going to tackle this morning that someone asked was, will God forgive us if we've already had sex before marriage? Will God forgive us if we've already had sex before marriage? I think this is an important question. It might relate to some people here today, um, especially maybe those that are living together. And while sexual sin is wrong and it has consequences because it directly affects other people, my friends, you need to know today that we are all guilty of sin. We have all sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's standard, but there is such good news. 1 John 1 9, it says, if we confess our sins to him, to God, he is so faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, God's grace, his love, and his forgiveness extends to every yeah, level of sin. Right. You need to hear that this morning. It extends to every level of sin. Um, you know, when I think of a story that Jesus told of the prodigal son in the Bible, and uh, it is a, a story of a son that wanted his inheritance early, and he left, and he wanted to live his own way, and he wasted his money, and uh, he was so broken that he wanted to come home and thought he could only come home as a servant. And uh, when he came to his father, you know, you don't see the father running to the son with a big long list of his son's sins. No, the father came with arms open wide, extending love and grace and forgiveness. And can I say uh, that our heart here at Elam is that if you have made mistakes, if you have made bad choices, that does not affect the welcome. It does not change the welcome. You belong here. 
You belong here. You are not your past and you are not your mistakes. There is grace and forgiveness for each one of us. And when we're in Christ, when we've um, confessed our sins and accepted Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, um, when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and rose again, we are in Christ. And, and when we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. No condemnation. So our advice would be to come and see one of the pastors here. Come and see one of the ministry team. And uh, because when we confess our sins to God, we are forgiven. But James 5.16 says that when we confess our sins and pray for one another, we find healing. That's where freedom comes. And we can't encourage you more to get involved in a small group because we need to do life together. And freedom comes when we walk in relationship with one another. And so what I would say is, and encourage you that now you know it's sin, it's not God's best for your relationship. If you love that person, you can see a future together, why not get engaged? Why not take that step and get married and live in God's best and his blessing for you? Yeah, the great thing is uh, we've got people here that could take the ceremony. They don't charge anything. That, be, that, well, maybe, maybe Pastor Bob does, but I don't know. I reckon he'd do it for free. I think there's such a pressure on us in today's society that this wedding has to look like something you would see on a wedding show. You know, bring some food, everyone can bring a plate. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be as expensive as we think it is. Put that money into a, into a house deposit. You know, don't, don't spend it on a wedding. Just invite people to bring a plate and come and celebrate with you. You know, you could do it so much cheaper, but also do it with the people that you, you love and celebrate. I, I, I said last week, was we talked about it in our, in our campus up, up, up in Whangarei, I, I said, come on, church, how many people would put in 10 bucks, 20 bucks to see somebody who's, who's living in a relationship get married? And hands went up everywhere, like 150 hands went up. I'm like, well, there's, there's three grand. We, we could put on a wedding for that. No problem. And I reckon that would be the same here. If you came to the team here and said, we want to get married, you'd have no problem. The team would put it on. They would get, get around you and celebrate with you. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. You know, get, in, get involved in great and God's best. You know, we've got an amazing couple in our Whangarei campus. They were living together for many, many years, and, uh, and they had children together. And they really felt God say, it's time to get married. You've got to get married. And so we walked through the process, did some pre-marriage counseling with them. Uh, I, I took the ceremony. It was, you know, it, was, it was quite a cheap wedding to put on. And uh, I talked to them just two weeks ago. I said, I said, how's it going? They said, oh, the freedom, the trust. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. We're living in God's best. Our communication is better than it's ever been. Our relationship is better than it's ever been. Why? Because that's God's design. That's the way God intended it to be. So don't feel, don't feel guilty. Don't sweat it. If you love the person, just take a step towards getting married. I really believe God will honor you, and he'll take care of all the details. And I reckon the team here will help you take care of those details as well. So question number three, and this is a bit of a different one, is do I have to get married? So, some people are saying, oh, I don't even want to get married. I, I, I don't, I'm not interested in sex. I don't even really want to get married. Um, do I, can I be single? Of course. I think there's a bit of a pressure. Uh, sometimes in church circles, you find a single person and you try and marry them off. It's like, you know, let's, let's, let's do a bit of an auction for the, for the, for the single people. You know, and, and some of you are looking at each other, nudging each other. It's like, stop doing that, please. You know, God, God can sort out that if that's how it's meant to be. But I remember being asked by a young lady. Um, she would have been mid-20s, uh, you know, deep in her profession, 
uh, working, working uh, long hours, uh, doing an amazing job. And, and she said, do I have to get married? I feel this pressure to get married. I said, do you want to get married? She said, no. I said, then don't. Then don't. She says, I feel like I can devote my time to God. I, I can devote my time to worship and, and I've got some great friendships. I said, so don't get married. There's no pressure to get married. That You don't have to get married. That is not God's intention for you necessarily. I mean, I, this is what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 7. He said, I'm telling those who are single and widows that it's good for them to stay single like me. But if they can't control themselves, they should get married because it's better to marry than burn with passion. So actually being single is a good thing. I was 21 and Amy was 19. I, I, yeah, we can just leave it at that. Passion. Woo! <laughs> Uh, another question that was asked is, is it worth going through the pain of living with a non-believer if God never changes them? Is it worth living, uh, going through the pain of living with a non-believer if God never changes them? You know, this is a tough question, and we're really sorry if this is your experience. And we don't know the context that this question was asked. Maybe it might be in a, in a marriage or a partnership. It could even be uh, a friendship or a relative but we felt that Amos 3.3 is a great place to start. And it says, can two people walk together unless they are agreed? And I think the answer is to that is no. It's so hard to walk together unless you're in agreement. Um, you will be pulled and going separate ways. If one loves Jesus and the other does not, uh, that can be really challenging. And because we don't know the context of that relationship, I just felt as we were praying about this question that to say that if the relationship is not healthy, um, if it is toxic, if it is abusive, that is not okay. And please come and see one of the pastors here. Please come and get help. But if you are married to an un unbeliever and it is a good relationship, and uh, that can be so hard when nothing changes. And I just want to tell you that prayer is powerful. Um, there's a couple of books that we recommend to people, and it's called The Power of a Praying Wife and The Power of a Praying Husband, and they're written by Stormy O'Martin, and they, they, are, they are amazing books. I think one of the greatest things God has taught, taught me in our marriage is to pray the prayer, um, not God change Mike, but Lord, would you change me? And uh, so I want to recommend those books to you, and I want to encourage you that James 5.16 in the message translation says, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. So I want to encourage you to be persistent in your prayers, to be audacious in your faith and not give up. And what I say is uh, don't give up and don't stop praying. I heard last, I was talking to someone um, maybe two weeks ago, saying that after 28 years, the, their spouse came to the Lord. 28 years of believing, 28 years of waiting, 28 years of praying. Can I encourage you, if, if that question is when they never change, let's take the word never out, because we serve a God of the, of the possible who takes impossible things and he makes it possible. You know, we believe that God can turn a situation around and that through prayer we can see that become a reality. Um, can I give some advice also to those who are single, those who are looking out into the world and seeing somebody you like? Seeing somebody that, that maybe shares the same passions, you kind of look at them and go, I, I like you, I think you're amazing. Can I encourage you, right from the start, in the early days of the conversation, ask the question, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? If their answer is no, don't go there. It's just not worth it. 
It doesn't matter how amazing they are or the potential they could have. If they don't love Jesus more than they're going to love you, then they're not right for you. Keep waiting. Keep praying. Keep persisting. Keep, keep getting your life right with God. And at the right time, you can just be assured that if your heart is to marry, if your desire is to be with somebody, God will bring the right person along. Don't rush it. Too many mistakes have been made. Too, too many relationships have failed as people have you know, dived into a relationship where Jesus was not in the middle. Yeah, yeah such great advice, Mike. And our last question that we're going to tackle this morning, just in the time we've got left, um, is for those of us that are married, and I think this is a great question that um, came in. How do we keep a strong and healthy marriage? Oh, good, big, good question. How do we keep a strong and healthy marriage? You know, Mike and I have been married. We just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary this year. But there are so many people in this room I know who have been married for so many more years. Come on, There's how many people are over 40 years married? Give, give, give us a wave if you're over 40 years married. Come, oh, on, come on, look at this. Amazing. 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 We honor you. We honor you. We do. Incredible. We Incredible. Do. And um, so just a few things, I think, from, from our our journey so far, I think, man, how do we stay married by God's grace? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus has to, has to be at the center of our relationship. But, one of, the, <laughs> but one of the things um, I think we, we like to say to each other is that actually every day, every week, every month, every year, every season of life, we've just kept saying yes. We've just kept saying yes. And that is on the good days and the hard days and the difficult days because they are sure to come. And in 20 years, we've had our, our fair share of them. And instead of letting the difficult things pull us apart, we've allowed them to draw us closer together. And um, we've kept saying yes. In yeah. <laughs> um, a strong and happy, ma uh, healthy marriage doesn't just happen by chance. I really believe it happens by choice, that love is a choice we make every day. And uh, I think we're led to believe the lie today that marriage is just about two individuals. But actually, as we've already talked about, God's original plan, his intent was that it would be those two individuals becoming one. That is the journey of marriage, is learning to become one. That doesn't happen very easily. <laughs> How do we in become fact, one? In fact, we were um, leading up to this every time we preach on relationships. Oh, yeah. It's almost like we have to go through a warrant of fitness ourselves. So it's like we know we're coming up on the topic and we just, it's like every conversation, it's like, are you really living this out, Mike and Amy? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's such a journey worth going on. And we always, you know, our heart is, is, is for each other. And I think I, um, I once um, heard Pastor Steve from our Botany campus, he talked about that, that marriage needs to be about we not me. And when we approach it with, with, with together about becoming one, we are um, Philipp, uh, Philippians, it is, I think, 2-3. Two, three. Two, three. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider the needs of each other above your own. And I think that is such a key verse for us. Um, you know, marriage is about what I can give not what I can get. Life is about giving. Generosity begets generosity, it says in Luke 6, 38. And I think when two people um, have that in mind where it's about two becoming one, uh, where it's about um, serving each other, meeting each other's needs, giving instead of getting, that when two people are doing that in mutual submission and love, it's a beautiful thing with God in the center. We can't do it without him. Uh, if things are hard and you're not seeing a lot of love, uh, appreciation, 
commitment reciprocated, I would say find a seed of, of it in your heart and sow that into your marriage because God is a faithful God. And when we sow, you know what, we will reap. And I encourage you to um, not get tired and weary of doing what is good because I believe that you will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. Uh, one of the things we... Uh, out at the, the Whangarei campus that we're quite known for saying is that sometimes in marriage, we need to get a new marriage. But hear me, we get a new marriage with the person we're already married to. Sometimes we need a new start, a fresh start. And I think forgiveness is such a key in, in, in keeping a strong and healthy marriage. Um, forgiving one another. There has been so many times in our 20 years where I have said, honey, would you forgive me? And Mike has said the same. And as we've um, received forgiveness from God, we are to be kind and compassionate and forgive one another. Yes, sometimes we need a fresh start. And if you need help, can I say today, don't be afraid to ask for help. There have been many times where we have needed help and there is help here available. So don't be too proud to ask for help. Um, know that we're a family, we're a whanau and we do life together. We, I, I met with a, a man who, him and his wife have been apart for the last few months, uh, living in different places. And he said, I, I heard what you said about you know, wanting a new marriage with the same person, wanting a fresh start. And uh, we sat, we talked, there were some things going on in this world, but, but uh, the, the, the great end result of it is that we're meeting next week, we're sitting down, uh, I'm going to be a witness to a fresh start with their marriage together. You know, and, and all it takes is two willing parties to say, you know what, I've made mistakes, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, and go again, have another go. You know, it is so worth fighting for the marriage that, that you have and believe that God can uh, bring a new spark, a new, a new sense of life into your relationship. Um, what happens when kids uh, appear in your relationship? Uh, what, what, does that, what does that mean? Well, when kids come, obviously you get more free time, your sleep improves, you've got disposable income, and, uh, and sex life just gets better, right? Uh, unfortunately, that's not quite the case. Every little bit of time you have disappears. Uh, sleep, what even is that when you have children? Uh, it's not disposable income, it's disposable nappies. And, uh, and sex life, well, it, it's kind of like trying to steal a moment when your parents aren't looking. Come on, teenagers, you remember that? Um, but for those of us that have been married, uh, the last thing we would ever want is to raise our children. We've got 10, 7, and four. I would, I would hate that in, in, in 15, 16, 17, 20 years' time, we, we send our children off to the big wide world, we look at each other and go, who are you? Because the only thing we had in common was the fact that we raised kids together. We've got to invest in each other. We've got to, we've got to sow into this relationship. Uh, we've got to be intentional. You know, a little bit of research uh, I heard, you know, showing love to each other the way you should. Um, we, we all receive and give love in different ways. Um, Gary Chapman talks about the love languages. And uh, I got this great piece of uh, research through a very reliable source, Facebook. Thank you, Facebook. Um, and and I, I truly understand Amy now more than ever before. I was trying to work out how to truly love her. And uh, so for words of affirmation, this is how it works. Your coffee is delicious. Uh, acts of service, I made you coffee. Receiving gifts, here's a coffee. Quality time, let's go out for a coffee. Uh, physical touch, let me hold you like a nice warm cup of coffee. 
You know, it's, it's like it makes sense now. You know? He's so. figured me out. No, that's so good. And I think I've actually had to learn to be intentional, to show love to Mike in a way that is really different to how I receive love. And so that has been a journey. You know, Mike's top um, love language is physical touch, and that's just not that's not just sex. But uh, Mike is, if you know him, he's like, if, you, uh, if I don't hug you, I don't love you. That's just who Mikey is. And so I can remember early on in our marriage, I would walk into the kitchen and I would literally just walk around him because it's quite low on my list. And now I've learned to walk into him and um, express that through the touch and the love and the kiss. And, and that's important to, yeah, to him. The other thing we need to be intentional in is to keep dating. I think that was advice given to us when we, before we got married, I think it is great advice. Uh, no matter how long you've been married, you want to keep that love and that passion alive. Uh, one of the ways we do that is to make sure that we get time alone together. And uh, our four-year-old uh, recently says, you go away, mum and dad, because you want to stay married, eh? And we're like, yes, we would really like to stay married. She's like, oh, that's good. Good, good. You know, she'd like us to stay married too. And that doesn't have to mean expensive things. It can actually just mean putting the, the children to bed and having a lovely dinner together at home. I was talking with a, a lovely young couple who um, are going to have a friend come to their place, put their kids to bed so they don't know any different, but they're going to go and stay the night at um, the friend's place just down the road. And I thought, what a great idea. Uh, so that's awesome. And just... Take moments to acknowledge each other during the day. Um, you know, we read that passage, Mike read that passage in Song of Songs, um, to keep that love and that, lo and that passion alive, and we've got to keep working on it. And as the team comes this morning, you know, we've got to be intentional with our communication. We close with this. Where do we start with communication? Communication is a heart issue, because out of your heart comes the issues of life, as it says in Proverbs 4, 23. And it's very difficult to hide what's in us with our communication because it's not just our words, it's our gesture and our spirit. We often communicate with our words, but our gestures and our spirit back up or deny our words. Let me give you an example. I come home from work, uh, I kick my shoes off, leave them in the middle of the floor, throw my bag on the couch, turn the TV on and, uh, and, and watch my sport, watch my football. Uh, Amy's preparing the meal, I, I eat my food, I, I hand the plate back to her, go back and watch some football while she takes care of the kids, does the washing, does the ironing. Well, you've never done ironing, babe, but um, iron. just roll with, it, roll with this. But, and, and then, you know, gets kids into bed and I've done nothing. And then we crawl into bed and I go, baby, let me fly to the moon, you know. And she's like, that rocket ain't getting off the ground, you know. Because, you know, I've communicated something with my words, but my gesture and my spirit has communicated something completely different. And so it's really, really important that we, we communicate really, really well. Um, Matthew 12, 34 talks about the word. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. The things that are in us will come out of us. Um, the, our words have incredible power. Uh, early on in our relationship, I could cut Amy with my words. I had the ability to, to tear her down rather than build her up. And I thought I was being clever winning an argument that I shouldn't have even won. But all I was doing was destroying my beautiful young bride. And so the words that we have are so powerful. We don't have to speak everything we think. That's why we're told to take every thought captive. And that way those words don't get out of our mouth. Good advice there. Gesture. You're bought with a price, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.20. So glorify God in your body. Our body language communicates so much to each other. The shrug, the, 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 you know, the, the ignoring of the hug or the, the cold shoulder, the turning away from the embrace. 
All of these things communicate something to each other. And most importantly, we've got to communicate through our spirit. And guys, if you want to look for intimacy in your relationship, there's nothing better than praying with your spouse. When, when men pray with their wives, that changes everything. The intimacy you have when you wash your bride with the word, when you pray over them, when you pray into their lives. We make a commitment to pray every single day. Every single day we pray for each other. And there's moments where I don't know what to do. I've got nothing left. I'm spent. And I'm like, babe, can you pray for me? And Amy prays for me. And, 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 and things change when we pray. There's power in prayer. You want to lift your intimacy level in your relationship? Start praying together. Make that a commitment. We made a commitment that we don't go to bed without praying for each other. That way we don't get to be grumpy going to bed. Yeah. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Come on, deal with it. Make a commitment to go to bed in right relationship. Awesome. Yeah. And well, just as we close, I would just love to pray for you all. Um, wherever, wherever this relationship um, finds you, um, that God would speak into your heart. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for my wonderful uh, Fano in the city. Uh, Father, I thank you that you know each and every one of them. Father God, that um, nothing, nothing surpasses you, Lord. You know where we stand. You know where things are at in our relationships. And Father, I just pray that you would speak to each and every heart this morning. Father God, if there's things that we need to change, would you give us the grace to make those changes, Lord? Where we have messed up and, and made mistakes, Lord, I thank you that you forgive us. And if there's people we need to ask forgiveness from, I pray that you would show us that, Lord. Father God, I, I uh, thank you that, that, Lord, your love and your grace and your forgiveness is extended to each and every one of us today. And Father, I thank you that as your word has gone forth, Lord, I know, because your word says it will achieve its good purpose. Father, it will not return to you void. And so, Father God, we look, for you, look to you for your help. Father, to love like you have loved us. Lord, to, uh, in humility, consider the needs of others as more important than our own. And lastly, Lord, I'd like to pray for every marriage in this place. Father, I ask that you would strengthen it. Lord, I ask that you would be in the center of it, Lord Jesus. That, Father, as we all make a choice to, to uh, love every day, Lord, to, to say yes every day, oh, Lord God, that you would strengthen our commitment. Father, that you would... Um, Lord, help us to forgive and to make fresh starts. Lord, that you would um, bring reconciliation and breakthrough where it needs to, needs to happen in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for spouses that aren't following you yet, Jesus. Lord, I pray for salvations to come to people's homes in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you are with each and every one of us. Amen. And just as we close, you know, we've been talking about relationships, husband and wife, uh, dating, relationships, but the greatest relationship and the most important relationship is the relationship we have with God, our Creator. And if you're here today and, and, and you're saying, that, well, if I'm honest, I, I don't really have a relationship with God, but I, but I know I need one. I know I want one. You know, the Bible tells us very clearly that God created us on purpose. He made us in His image to live and walk in relationship with Him. And that was the way it was created to be. But then sin, sin of the wrong things we do, the selfish things we do, sin got into humanity. As a result of that, we were separated from a God that loves us. That sin caused a separation that no good works could get us back to God. There was only one thing that could bridge the gap. There was only one thing that could make things right with God. And that was by somebody being a perfect sacrifice to pay for the sins that, that we deserve to pay for. And that's exactly what Jesus did. 
Jesus, the Son of God, completely God, 100% God, and He also was 100% human. He experienced every feeling, every emotion, every temptation we experienced, and yet He never sinned. And because He lived a perfect life, it meant that He became a perfect sacrifice for us. And if you're here today and you're saying, my life's wrong, my, my life's away from God, there's sin in my life. Can I say, don't sweat it. Just make a decision today. Pray a prayer. Say, God, forgive me, please, for living life my own way. I, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need a fresh start. His grace is here today, my friends. And I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. But that prayer of faith, if you offer that up to God in faith, He will hear that prayer. He will forgive you of your sins. And He will give you an incredible gift called salvation. That you will have hope for your future, forgiveness from your past, and an eternity with God. Now that is the greatest thing we could ever have as humans. So with every head bowed, eye closed, I'd love to pray a prayer. And maybe you've been away from God and today you're saying, I'm returning back. I'm the prodigal son coming home. God's called my heart. He's drawn me back in and I'm here today. Would you pray this prayer as well? Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I turn from my old way of living and I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for your gift of grace. I receive it today in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time or maybe you're returning home today, you've, you've said yes to God. I'm going to ask you to do one thing brave. That's just to slip your hand up in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. The count of three, just slip your hand up and say, yes, I prayed that prayer for the first time while coming back to God from right across this place. One, God loves you. Two, He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Three, across this place. Who prayed that prayer this morning? Why don't you slip your hand up? Anyone this morning? Thank you. Just down the front there. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning say yes? Awesome. Thank you, man. That's great. Anyone else this morning? saying yes to Jesus, prayed that prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for salvation in this place. Thank you, God, for hearts returning back to you. We love you. We honor you. We give you glory and praise for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.